at chapter 20. Here are 15 verses. We'll read 12 of them, and I'm going to preach on the last judgment of the unsaved dead. I want to preach about when skeletons come out of their closets and when chickens come home to roost at this judgment, when sinners receive their wages, when people get what's coming to them. And I saw an angel come down from the heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till a thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed is the holiest he that hath part from the first resurrection, on such the second that hath no power, but they should be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, uh, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Then comes the last rebellion, after the thousand years are over. Now skip to verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now there are two things that run throughout the Bible, and they are akin. They belong together. One theme is that your sin will find you out. In the Garden of Eden, God said to Adam and Eve, In the day you eat thereof of the forbidden fruit, in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And again, in Ezekiel, the Lord says, The soul that sinned, it shall die. In Numbers 22, uh, 32, 23, uh, Moses said, to the half-tribe of Manasseh, the two tribes and the half-tribe, he said, if you uh, will come and will help your brothers uh, to take this land, well and good. If you don't do that, if you don't come and help them no more, you have sinned against God. Listen now. Then he said, but if ye will not do so, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Your sin will find you out. When you come into the New Testament, it's the same way. In Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. In Galatians 6, 7, and 8, the Lord put it in these words. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I say one clear theme through the Bible, sin must be punished. It doesn't pay to sin. You can't get by with sin. The way of transgressors is hard. It's coming. And then another theme akin to it is judgment. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Jesus said, God hath delivered all judgment to the Son. In Acts chapter 17, uh, Paul stood on Mars Hill in Athens. I stood there two weeks ago uh, yesterday, 
Yes, two weeks ago, three weeks ago yesterday, I stood on Mars Hill where Paul stood and preached. There's a plaque, and there is the language of Paul's discussion uh, and on Mars Hill and on great uh, brass bronze uh, uh, plate. And see, Paul stood there, and he said, At the times of this sequence, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world by that man whom he has ordained, where he has given assurance to all men, in that he has raised him from the dead. Judgment time coming, God said. And that's the way it is again. In Romans chapter 14, the Lord brings up this subject again and gives plain words. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so that every one of us shall give an account of himself before God. In verse 10, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Judgment is coming. I see that theme runs through the Bible. In um, Hebrews 9:27, the Scripture has it this way: "And as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment, death, and then judgment." In Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 to 11, about Jesus, it is said, "Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that is the name of Jesus, every he should bow." Um, both in uh, things in heaven and uh, things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I say I thank God that one of these days every step knees going to bend. Oh, you may be too proud to pray now, you won't bend. Or you may be now one of these infidels that doesn't believe Jesus is God. You say he was a good man. You say the Spirit was on him. You say that in some special way he revealed God. No, Jesus is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I say Jesus is one with the Father. I and my Father are one. He's as much God as the Father. He is the Creator. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And I thank God the time's coming. You're going to bend that stiff knee and bow that stubborn neck before God and confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He said here, everything in heaven, well, the angels do not mind how proud they are to tell it. The angel that came to tell Mary, you're going to have a son, and he'll be the, 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 the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. The angel was glad to tell Joseph, troubled in a dream about Mary, how she's pregnant, and I didn't know how, and I thought she was poor. And the angel said, that which was conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. The angel were glad to tell those shepherds, watching their flocks by night on the hills. I looked out over those fields where the shepherds were the other day in Bethlehem. I do not know whether that that they pointed out where the was, but it was one of those fields around Bethlehem, and I saw them all. And so the angel was glad to tell it. You needn't tell me the angels are mine, thousand knees. Oh, I think when Jesus was born, and that angel said, Unto you this day is born in the city of David a, a, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Then the Bible says there was suddenly with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. You know why? Well, I think every angel was saying, Lord, let me tell it. I want to go too. Let me tell it. I want in. And so the Lord said, Okay, just leave the gates open and everybody go on leave heaven. Go on down there and tell it. And the multitude of the heavenly ghost said, Glory to God in the highest peace on earth. 
Angels won't mind bowing the knee to Jesus. Everything in heaven. Saints won't up in heaven. And everything on earth. I'll be glad when principalities and powers and kingdoms bow before Jesus. Boy, they better. Thrones are going to be falling down. All the university buildings will be raised. The capital of Washington will fall to pieces. I saw the other day the Tower of London and Buckingham Palace and the changing of the Queen's Guard. That'll all be gone. A great stone cut out of a mountain without hands will come down and smite the image of world empires, the governments of this world, and it'll be ground to powder and the wind will blow the way, and the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ will become the kingdoms of this world. Um, the, uh, the, say that the scripture makes it clear that one of these days the Lord Jesus, ever in and then in hell, down in hell, God lift the lid of hell, and every sinner in hell will bow the knee before Jesus Christ. Well, you know, Jesus said to the Pharisees, they said, Are you the Son of God? When he was on trial, and he said, You've said it. I will assure you by the Most High, we put you under oath. Will you, do you say you're the Son of God? He said, Thou said it, and you shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and glory. Who these same wicked Pharisees? Yes, they're going to see him. And don't you remember in Revelation, the scripture says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Heaven and earth and hell, every eye. And all the nations of the earth shall wail because of him. Now, let me tell you, they shall look on him whom they pierce, and everybody in hell, wicked Nels Foray, that said that Jesus may have been the bastard son of a blonde German soldier in the Roman army, and there was kind of a camp follower hanging around the soldiers, and got pregnant, and Jesus may have been that illegitimate son. I'm glad one day that dirty blasphemer will bow the knee. He'll be in hell unless he repents, but he's going to bow the knee. And that pink bishop in uh, Oxnum with bishop robes that said the God of the Old Testament that demanded judgment and demanded atonement is a dirty bully. I'm going to see him. Oh, yes, I know you good Methodists, the principal bishop, presiding bishop, and in Washington and just retired the other day. But he's going to bow the knee to Jesus. He's going to weep and cry for rocks and mountains to fall on him unless he repents of his sins. Let me tell you now, the blasphemers and those who want to steal the crown of deity of Jesus and spit in his face and trample under feet the blood every day he's gone about. I'm saying this one theme, bless God through the Bible, judgment day is coming. I'm glad it is. I'm glad it is forever Christ reject her and forever blaspheming tongue and forever unbelieving heart. All right, everybody shall bow, the scripture says. All right, so now we're talking tonight about sin coming to judgment. Now, there are three simple things I'll be saying tonight. Let's get the outline. First of all, which of several Bible judgments is the one I read about in Revelation 20? Which of several Bible judgments? The second point we'll talk about is who will be judged in that judgment? And the last point, on what basis will it be judged? How will people be judged at this judgment? Oh, God, I need you tonight. I wouldn't ever want to go anywhere without thee. Lord, I can't preach acceptably and with blessing unless thou dost breathe upon me. Never mind about pleasing anybody, Lord, but thee. But, oh, help me be true. And let the words be thine and the power thine and the results thine and suitable to thy power and mercy. And give us souls now. 
Lord, tonight give us souls. Amen. Well, first of all, then, which of several Bible judgments is this judgment in Revelation 20? Listen to me. There was one judgment when Jesus hung on the cross. Did you know that was the great judgment, the greatest of all? When Jesus was on the cross, that's when I was judged. All my sins, all the sins of everyone who puts his trust in Jesus, were that they put on Jesus. And he who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. The Bible says, with his stripes we are healed. The God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Ah, Brother Deacon, that when Jesus hung on that cross, that was a great judgment. God turned his face away. God said, all right, let him die, because he's become official and the greatest sinner in the world. All the sins of John Rice and Bud Lyles and, and Dr. That, uh, Dr. Kipfer, and all, every preacher and every deacon, every drunkard, every harlot, every infidel, all the sins is all laid on Jesus, and Jesus died. Jesus was properly being judged. Let's put it this way. I was judged that day. My sins came to judgment, and the, the, the punishment was death. All right, he ought to die. And I died. Well, you say, no, you didn't die. It was Jesus. But he was dying in my place. He took my place. My sins were judged that day. Oh, I thank God. Judgment's already passed, as far as I'm concerned. That's why in John 5, 24, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I stand you. I like that, verily. <laughs> I like that truly, truly. When God's going to say something real big, sometimes, you know, a big train goes through the mountain, sometimes hook on a double-header engine. And God says, boy, I've got a big train coming now. I'm going to hook two engines onto it. Verily, verily, he said. Truly, truly, he said. I say unto you, as reading, he said to John, uh, to Nicodemus, verily, verily, I said you must be born again. Well, now here he said it. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my words. And believeth on him to send me. Have everlasting life. Not going to have as it now. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. Not come into condemnation? No, condemnation's already fallen. The debt's already paid. Punishment's already meted out. The sentence has already been served. The death penalty is already executed. The blood's already poured out. <laughs> the sinner's done bad for his sins. I thank God that's paid. That's all settled. Jesus was judged for my sins and paid my debt. That's wonderful. In the American Standard Version, that translation is a little better. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, John 5, 34, and believeth on him to send me, um, hath everlasting life, and cometh not to judgment, but is passed out of death into life. You know, fellow who come to double jeopardy and get tried again for the same thing he's done been tried for and punished for, you know. If a fellow, if they tried me and said I'm fined a hundred dollars and I paid the fine, they don't go arrest me and say, come and try you for this and fine. Done been, done been arrested, done been proved guilty, done paid the fine. Well, Jesus has paid the fine and it's all done. That's one judgment. That's not the judgment here. This is a judgment for those that wouldn't accept that judgment and let Jesus take our place. Well, let's see. There's another judgment the Bible tells about, and uh, that's uh, a judgment of um, 
at the judgment seat of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The Bible says there, Paul says to a wise master builder, I came to Corinth, they had revival, I got two people saved. He said, I laid the foundation. He said, Christ is the foundation. Other foundation can no man lay. I got you saved. Now he said, now take heed how you build on that foundation. For he said that it's coming a great time of testing when every man's work should be tried by fire. He said, take heed how you build. Gold, silver, precious stone. There are three kinds won't burn. A wood, hay, and stubble. That's three kinds will burn. For he said the day should be shall declared for to be manifested by fire. All right. But he said if a man's work be burned up, he'll receive reward. Uh, he'll um, be saved if sold by fire. He'll not receive reward. But if a man's works abide, he'll receive reward. Now then, that's the judgment of Christians up in heaven, already in heaven, in glorified bodies, a judgment for rewards of Christians. Who's going to reign over ten cities? Who's going to reign over five? Who's going to be a street sweeper? Who's going to be a garbage collector? they got to be uh, somebody else besides uh, rainers up there, and that'll be a judgment of Christ. That's not the same as this one. No, no. There's another judgment mentioned in the Bible. It is often confused with this last judgment of the unsaved, the white throne judgment. It ought not to be. That's discussed in Matthew chapter 25. Note the words carefully. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, so this is at the second coming, when he comes back to reign. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. That's the throne of his father David at Jerusalem. That's Mount Zion, Miss Rice, where we'll climb so many steps to get up to the top of it the other day in Jerusalem. And Jesus is going to set up his throne and reign in Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all his holy angels with him. There shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. The word for nations in the Greek is the same as the word for Gentiles, and evidently what it means is all the Gentile people but the Jews. There will have been a great persecution in the tribulation time, and those that were for God will side in with the Jews and help protect them. Those are for the Antichrist will help kill out the Jews. And then there will be judged, and before we shall be gathered, and those on the left hand, he'll say, Depart from me into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Those on the right hand, he'll say, Come be blessed of my Father, in the head of the kingdom, prepared for you, and Christ will reign with them on the earth. Now notice, that's a judgment of people alive. That's a judgment of Gentile people alive on the earth after the tribulation. It'll be at Jerusalem. And those who are lost will be sent on to hell, and those who are the same come in to live on this kingdom on earth with Jesus during the millennial reign. That's not the same as this judgment. Now here's another judgment. I saw a great white throne of him that sat upon it from his face, earth and heaven fled away. That's all fear out of his face. The one we talked about in Matthew 25 is that Jerusalem, this is out of space. The one in Matthew is when he comes at the beginning of his reign. This judgment's when the thousand years are expired, and later, out in space, a great judgment. And will you notice? All right, then, this is the judgment of the unsaved dead at the end of the millennial reign of Christ on earth. Now, let's see. I've said who to be judged, but let's prove it now. Who is this to be judged in this judgment? Who is this to be judged? Not Christians, but lost people. Now, how do you know? Well, because it says, I saw the dead fall in great stand before God. Now, if you can find who's alive and who's dead, you'll know who's going to be judged. All right, I'll come back to the first of the chapter. And the scripture says, I saw uh, an angel come down from heaven, having a great key of the bottom of his pit and a great chain in his hand. 
and laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and so on. Now verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which did not worship the beast, neither his image, neither see this mark in the parts in the hand. Now notice, I saw those of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. Now let's see what happens. Girls, what happens when the fellow gets his head cut off? Does he go downtown and go to work then? Huh? Huh? What does he do? He's dead, isn't he? All right. So he said, I saw those who were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, so they died. Is that right? Now listen. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. He was beheaded, so he died, and I lived. So what's that? A resurrection, isn't it? That's a resurrection. All right. Uh, but the rest of the dead live not again till the thousand years are finished. This is the first resurrection. Now notice here are two resurrections. And the next verse said, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. Now some people, they were beheaded, they suffered, now they're raised from the dead, and they reign with Christ a thousand years. They're raised the first resurrection, then takes place when? At the beginning of the thousand years. So he can get up and reign with Jesus a thousand years, all of us Christians. That's right. But the rest of them lived not again till a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. All right, now when is the second resurrection then? Not until a thousand years are finished. You see that? All right. And blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second that hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And now then, a thousand years go by. When the thousand years are finished, I saw a great white throne in the settlement, and the earth, and the or heaven, and, and the, uh, the death, and hell delivered the dead in them, and they were church. Great, the dead stand before God. Now, who is this that have been dead all the thousand years, and now they're brought to judgment? The unsaved. All the Christians have already been raised up at the beginning of the thousand years. Now, there are two resurrections. The first resurrection, the Christians, and the second resurrection, lost people. The first resurrection, now, don't think it's all in one little spot. Jesus is the first fruits of them that rose from the dead, isn't he? All right, so Jesus was a part of the first resurrection. And then there will come of these rapture, one of these that trumpet sound might be right now. I don't care, fellas, let's just take the roof off if a ghost Jesus comes tonight, because we won't need this. You people are not saved, we'll need it. Well, um, so then that's a part of the first resurrection, isn't it? That the rapture of the Christian dead will be raised, we'll be, they'll be changed, and we'll, we'll be raised. And then when Jesus comes back to reign... And these were beheaded during the tribulation time, and they live and reign. That's all part of the first resurrection. That's Christians, and all that's before the thousand years. Is that right? And who is the second resurrection? Lost people. All right, so here in Revelation 20, I saw the dead, small, and great stand before God. They're lost people, and they come out of hell. Death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them, and the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Ah, oh, then... Many a graveyard will be open suddenly, and dirt will fly. There come out that old body, and then the soul dragged out of hell to bring it up and stand before Jesus. I don't wonder that the Bible says that he will cry for the rocks and mountains to fall on them and hide them from him that sits on the throne. 
I don't wonder that the Bible says that they'll hide themselves in dens and caves of the earth. Jesus is going to call people out to judge them. The unsaved dead, out of hell, their bodies, their souls, out of the graves, their bodies, and sunken in the sea, torpedoed in war, and drowned in fishing schooners, and so on. And God will bring together the scattered bits of ashes, and make again the bodies, and they'll come out, and souls come out of hell, and these will come to judgment, the last judgment of the unsaved dead. Who's in, who's in this judgment then? Unsaved people. Well, where will we be? Well, we'll be there. You know, I'm going to be at that judgment, but I'm not going to be judged. I'm going to be there as a, as a witness. And two or three scriptures that make that clear. One thing is the Bible says, Jesus said, The man of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment and, and condemn this generation. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Well, the men of Jonah repented, uh, a man of Nineveh, till they're saved, and they're going to rise up as witnesses, so I'll be there too. And the Lord say, John Rice, did you preach on, let's see, March the 11th, was it? March the 11th in the Woodruff High School Auditorium. Did you preach? And I'll say, yes, Lord. And he'll say, was this man there? And I'll have perfect memories then. And I'll say, yes, Lord, he was there. And the best I knew, and with great burden, and even with tears, I pleaded for people to be saved. I'll be a witness. That's right. And the mother who couldn't win her boy, if they say, yes, Lord, that's right. Yes, he ought to go to hell because he's had every chance. Uh, I grieve about it. Jesus does too. But the mother will say, Jesus, I'm on your side. He ought to go to hell if he won't repent. And the last witnesses are going to be there. Christians will be there to witness, but not to be judged. Somebody said, to them, aren't you scared about that judgment? No. No, you know, right next to the sword of the Lord office in Wheaton for many years, then next to the police department, uh, city police department. They've moved now, got another building, but they're in the same block, but I'm not scared. I'm not on trial. I'm behaving myself. They haven't got any case against me. And so, uh, they, the Lord hasn't any case against me. Where's he that condemneth? It's Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. And he's paid for my sins, and they are paid for. Well, all right, this is the judgment of the unsaved dead. Another thing, the Bible says uh, that um, be, comfort people with these words. He said that in Christ shall rise first, we that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And listen now, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I've been away from him long enough. I want to see him. I'm tired of this business of I'm among strangers. I'm a stranger here. I can tear it. I can tear it but a night. Oh, I'm not at home in this world. I want to see Jesus and be with him. But he's promised that uh, where I'm there, you should be also. So if Jesus is going to be at that judgment, I'm going to be there too. I'll say, Jesus, can I bring you a glass of water? <laughs> uh, he'll say, well, John, hand me that record book right there or something. I'm going to be there where Jesus is. We Christians are going to be. We'll be there, but not to be judged. We'll be there to see judgment done and to bear witness for those against those who go to hell. All right, this is judgment. Now, how will they be judged? First, we've said this is the last judgment of the unsaved dead. And now then, it is the unsaved judgment. Now, how? On what basis will they be judged? Well, the scripture says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And they were judged out of those things written in the books. God has record books. I'm glad he has. I don't remember very well. A lot of things I don't remember. 
I go back and I see in the sword of the Lord 15, 18, 20 years ago something I, I told there. And I'm glad to have it written down because I've forgotten how it happened since then. And uh, I don't remember well. God has the record put down in the book. You know how we are about our sins? Oh, first we feel bad about them. That's why we feel relieved we got out of it. And that's why it seems funny. And that's why you get to bragging about it. Your sins. Yeah, I heard a preacher say the other day, well, when I was on the devil's side, I made a good hand. I'm going to try to make a hand to the Lord like that. I felt like telling him, well, don't brag, you low down, sorry, cuss, and spit on Jesus, don't brag about it. Nobody's ever a better preacher because he's a sinner. Nobody's ever, no woman's ever a better wife because she was a harlot. You know that? No man's ever more pure and holy because he's whoremonger and infidel and drunkard. You know that? No, don't brag about your sins. They're all in the record book, I'm just saying. And God, they look still pretty black. They're just as black as they ever were. Yes, God has a record there. Books, record books of sins. Record books of sins. All right, according to their works. How are you going to be judged? Brother, you're going to get exactly what you deserve. Somebody said, Brother Wise, I want what's coming to me. Brother, you'll get it then, line upon line. Stripe for stripe, burning for burning, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. You'll get it then, exactly what you've got coming to you. That's right. Let me tell you, everybody goes to hell. They got what they deserve. That's right. Those who go to heaven don't. I was in Bombay, India, I believe it was, and a Hindu man came <laughs> to me, and um, I, I had great joy in showing, seeing how the power of God in the Scriptures. I preached at a certain Anglican church in uh, Bombay. They had five services a day in different languages. One of them, at the Canaries language service, they had me preach, and they had a, an interpreter to tell what it meant. And we had four people say four men and a woman to be well saved. The first one to hold his hand for prayer, one to be saved, was an elder in the church who helped leading the, uh, the worship service. They had on the credit program of that formal service, they had 18 items before they got to my sermon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, but well, they here as nice and pious as you people here. They can put on the dog, too. Yes, sir. Uh, well, uh, but I start to say, one of the elders who, I was in the Canary's language, and I couldn't understand it. One of the elders who led the principal part in leading in that service was the first man to hold his hand. He wanted to save. And so, all right, he went back yonder and then some others, and a woman, the mother of the assistant pastor, was got saved, and the organist, they had the organ back in the, in the balcony, and the choir in the balcony, and their formal service, and bless their hearts, they tried to follow through. Even after we had an old-fashioned dynamite earthquake, kind of a, of a soul-winning service, well, they wanted to end it properly, so they had a song, a certain hymn at the close. They were in trouble. They tried to sing it, but the organist, he's a gray-headed man, scholar, college man, he was down here back here getting saved. He let his organ come on down here and getting saved. Well, I started saying, that elder went back yonder, and I went back after a little bit to inquire and see how they get along. And he said, uh, he said, Dr. Rice, he said, why my Hindu friends, why would they be lost because they're Hindus? He said, some of them as good men as I am. I said, they're not lost because they're Hindus, and you're not saved because you're a church member. You're lost because you're a dirty sinner, and they're lost because they're sinners. That's all. And I said, if you don't get born again, you go to the same hell they would if they don't get born again. Well, he looked shocked at that. Remember now, he had just been taking the leading part in that formal responses, reading back and forth in this formal Anglican service. And, I, and so what over that? He was greatly puzzled at that. 
And so I turned to Romans uh, 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I read in, in the fifth chapter of Romans, so then uh, death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. By one man's uh, sin entered the world, and all have sinned. And so I went into that. I said, everybody that goes to hell gets exactly what he's deserving. He walks up to the tickle window and pays his own fare to hell in wages. Wages. You earn those, don't you? But I said, everybody goes to heaven. He rides on a free pass. He rides on a free pass. And I, I told the man, he rides on a pass. And the, and the good native uh, worker sitting by me says, free pass, free pass. And, <laughs> oh, that's what. And this, uh, this cultured man in an Anglican church, a leader, educated man, he said to me, well, now, Dr. Rice, let's see. Then I believe, I believe you mean, he said, that everybody goes to hell gets justice. And everybody gets to heaven and goes by mercy. I said, yes, that's right. Well, he said to him, I want mercy. Ah, uh, you should have heard him praying that publican's prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he was saved. Now, let me tell you, everybody goes to heaven, you earned it. Don't squawk. Go ahead. You bought your ticket. Go on to hell. You deserve it. But if you want something free for nothing, that's for those trust Jesus. Everybody ought to go to hell, but Jesus died for us, so I got saved free. That's the only way anybody gets saved, gets saved free. So, well, by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. All right, then. Then, uh, how you care? Well, but just by your works. Well, I'm telling you this. The way I'm going to heaven is not by my works. People go to hell, but the works you go to heaven by your trusting Jesus, by his works. A good woman said to me, Brother Rice, she said, let me ask you a question. I'm troubled. I'm bothered. She said, if somebody's saved now, and then if they don't live just right, are they still saved? Are they lost to salvation? Now what about it? Well, I said, well, that depends on how you get saved. I said, if you get saved by doing good and, uh, and doing right, going to church and going through the rites and ceremony, if you save yourself by your good deeds, why, when you fail, then boy, you're gone. As soon as you bobble, you're sunk. Well, she looked a little clear. But I said, if Jesus did the saving, if Jesus did the saving, then as soon as he bobbles, you're sunk. Well, she spoke, she said, but Jesus wouldn't bobble. Well, I said, then I advise you to take his kind of salvation instead of yours. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Jesus doesn't bobble. And so, listen to it now. They're just according to the world. They get what they deserve. You know, nobody, no courts of this land can give exact justice. They try. They can only give approximate justice. There's a murder trial. Uh, the main fellow, the main witness is dead. <laughs> you can tell who hit it. See? And then say, folks don't see straight. And then they don't remember what. You know that? I remember when Dr. P, uh, when Brother P. Bichonot died, a drunken driver, uh, pulled his car right over in his lane and head on into his car and fell up and tried to dodge him, couldn't. His car turned over and Chenault was killed. And uh, so up in McKenna's Texas, they called me to, as a witness to identify the car and so on. I went on the witness stand and they said, uh, your name, uh, and so on, where did it and so on. Did you know Mr. P.B. Chenault? Yes. Now, right now, uh, and he was in your home in Dallas. Yes, he was two weeks in my church in my home. Oh, I said, uh, what kind of a car did he ride? I said, it was 1938 two-door Buick sedan. He said, what color was it? It was um, black. Are you, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. It was in my driveway two weeks. I drove it. I rode it. Yes. 
And he said, what kind? Uh, 1938, two-door Buick sedan. And what color? It was black. You sure? Oh, all right, I'm sure. All right, dismissed. I went back in on her witness room, and after the, uh, the court adjourned, and I came out outside, and my wife said, you know what the deputy sheriff said? He went on the stand and swore that that car, Chanel's car, was green. Well, I said, it's crazy as a bed bug. It's not green. It's black. And she said, well, that's what he swore. Well, I said, I'm going to go talk to the district attorney. He's got that messed up. I've got to go tell him. So I went to talk to the district attorney, and I said, my wife says that this um, deputy sheriff here swore Chanel's car was green. Yes, he said, that's what he swore. He ought to know. He was there, saw the accident. He's the one who had the thing pulled in. It's right down there in the garage now. He said, he ought to know. I said, I don't care. He ought to know, but it doesn't. It's not green. That's back. Well, he said, you and him both, you better go down there. I've got to have you on the stand again. We can't have two kinds of car here. You go down there and see it. I'll send him down there. I went down there and saw the car. It was not black. It wasn't green. It was blue. <laughs> and both of us as honest as we can be. I'm just saying, I don't care. No matter how hard people try, nobody can get exact and literal justice in the court if we don't know the hearts of men. People don't remember things just right. If they do remember, they don't always tell it straight. You see that? Somebody, somebody didn't see. But brother, when God opens his court, you're going to get exactly, brother, right to the line, the dollar and a cent, the hour and a minute. You're going to get it straight then. Are you going to get justice? Boy, that's what I don't want. I don't want justice. I want mercy. That's right. Uh, according to, what's going to be judged there? According to words. Wait a minute. That means then secret sins will come to light. Secret sins, sins nobody else knows. Uh, some years ago, in Janesville, Texas, there was a grocerman. He was had been Sunday school superintendent of the First Baptist Church. He had been a very active layman. He'd given testimony far and near. And uh, here's a grocerman. One day, two United States deputy marshals walked in. One of them turned back the lapel of his coat, showed a marshal's badge, and said, You're under arrest. Oh, what for? He said, you know what for? You had a key made to the back door of this Wells Fargo Express, Railroad Express now, right next door. And for two years, you've been taking shipments of oranges and bananas and other interstate shipments out of that express office, bringing them in your store and selling them and getting by. You had a, an extra key made, but he said, now it's caught up with you. They proved it on him. They took him to Atlanta Penitentiary, where he spent five years in the federal penitentiary. I remember my uncle was shocked and heartsick. He'd known him for years. My father knew him. Other people did. And come out! The sin came out. The sin came out. Nobody thought it would, but it did. It came out. Ah, oh, yes. I was in Jackson, Michigan, and there was a nice woman. She sang in the choir. She taught a Sunday school class, and I preached. And, and in my preaching, I said something about this judgment and the things nobody knew. Nobody knew would come out. And she came to me and said, what about the little ones? She said, I got a quack doctor, and we had abortion, and I murdered these little unborn babies of mine. What am I going to do about that? And I said, those that were hated when they ought to be loved will come to mock you. They'll stand at that judgment time and say, you should have loved us. We were the gift of God, and you hated us and had us murdered. But maybe the world doesn't know you're a murderer, but they do, and God does. It'll come out at that time. Oh, yeah, the secret sins that people don't know about, God knows about. Yes, God knows about it. That time's coming out. Yes, it is. Um, 
how many secrets have been told to me that others didn't know. A woman told me from Atchison, Kansas, years ago, so long ago now, I think nobody could trace it. And a woman, she said to me, Brother Rice, I, she said, I've been married 20 years. I have a 19-year-old daughter. She's a beautiful, sweet Christian girl. And my husband and I are both Christians trying to live right. But before I was married 20 years ago, I went into sin. My husband doesn't know it. Nobody in the world but one person knows it. It haunts me. You're supposed to forgive me. Should have wrote to my husband and tell him about that sin more than 20 years ago before I married him. I should have told my sweet girl she thinks I'm pure and good. I feel so guilty. Should have told her. I will tell her. You confessed it to God. You've lived it down. You've lived straight. Don't hurt your husband. You couldn't help it any. Already, you've been true to him, you love him, you've been straight and clean. Don't hurt him with it. Never mind that daughter. Don't tell him no. God put it under the blood, then nothing else you can do. But I thought, ah, if a woman's so distressed about that, you unsaved, what will you do when the universe is going to hear your dirty life and the sins you didn't want anybody to know? It's coming out. It's coming out. It's coming out. Yeah. Some man, some man in Peoria says to his wife, I'm bound to go to, I must go up to Galesburg for the weekend. Or I've got a call in Chicago or St. Louis or somewhere else. And his wife thinks, oh, the poor fellow works so hard to make a living. I'm sorry, she doesn't know about the other woman. She doesn't know the weekend in a hotel and the sin. She will know one day God's going to bring it out. Somebody here put your hands in the cash drawer, the register. You took money that didn't belong to you. You're a dirty thief. You're a dirty, crooked thief. People don't know it. Maybe it was you bought some tools back from the, uh, back here from the Caterpillar plant. Maybe that is it. Or some material. But uh, God knows you're crooked and it's going to come out. Secret things coming out. The things nobody knows. The skeletons of memory will come rattling out of the closets and your sins will come to face you. Unsaved men at that judgment time. Wait a minute. Not only the sins that are secret, but the sins that never happen except in the heart. The sins you would have done, done if you could, but you couldn't. Sins of the heart. Don't you remember the Lord Jesus said, He that lusts upon the looks of a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her in his heart. Don't you remember the scripture says that he that hated his brother is a murderer? I didn't kill anybody. I did carry a gun for one fellow one time cutting the wire on the ranch, and I was left in the great drought, and my father had to go to the mountains, Rocky Mountains, for three months, and my older brother had the, the farm, and all I had, those horses, and that ranch, and a 15-year-old boy, and a, a neighbor ranchman cutting the wires to get, try to get in, and we were just about to have to haul water for a whole business, and I got the big 12-case shotgun, and I loaded her up good and rode by and rode that fence. I didn't shoot anybody. <laughs> Nobody showed up, just he's convenient. It sure would have been, if anybody had gone home, they'd gone home with pants full of lead, I'm telling you. Uh, no, I didn't kill anybody. I'm meaner than some people did kill people, though. Yes. And if it were not for the mercy of God, I'd have been in hell a long time ago. You know that? Yeah. I'm sure glad I've got somebody to fix that judgment for me. The sins that you didn't commit. I know some of you good women, you didn't like what I said about the movies last night, did you? Some of you. Oh, you enjoyed it. Let's see, what was it? Wreck of the Bounty? What is some South Sea Island picture? And who was it? Clark Gable, Robert Taylor, 
Oh, this new one, Houston, who was it? Some of these guys. Ah, oh, boy, wasn't they handsome? Two thirds naked. And, uh, boy, didn't you like it if you could just been that heroine in the sarong, a rag around the middle, that is, not very high at the top, not very low at the bottom, and uh, so on. And all those warm embraces, and you just dreamed, wouldn't I like that? Yeah. And God woke you down as the harlot you are inside. Outside, you're a respectable wife and mother. Inside, you're as dirty as any prostitute. You want what they want. You see, God knows the heart. Man does not. Yeah. Coming to judgment for the sins didn't happen. But what would have happened if you could have had your way? Your heart's desire. Unsaved person, your heart's going to bring you a terrible shock at the judgment time. Come and send the judgment. That's your bad. Well, somebody said, Brother Rice, you folks are smart. What about you? And suppose they say here, Brother Kittrell and brother, some of these other partners, they say, listen, let's get a committee and let's send up there and see and get up Brother Rice's record. So you come and you apply free of it as Angel Gable and you knock on the door and say, Angel, Gable, can I see the record? We got a man down here in Pure and he's talking to sharp play and making some people mad and says that sinners that don't repent, they're coming to judgment and all the deeds coming out and so on. And he's talking so big, I want to see the record of John Rice. Well, Angel Gable said, this is a little unusual, you know. Well, but I know we want to see it. So Angel Gable brings out a record and, and he say, is this John Rice's record? Yes, yeah, that's right. On the record we have him. You mean all this goodness and purity and holiness? This is, you know, this on the record we have John Rice now. And you're a little smarter than these preachers, so you say, you mean you used to have another record? Yeah, yeah, I did, but it's all, it's all finished up now. What do you mean? Well, the account closed and it's marked paid in full. Marked in blood. But you want to see it? The man I used to be and the sinner I was in the records and it's parked in the blood of Jesus, paid in full. And it is Christ that died. Who is he that condemned it? It's Christ that died, that's risen again and ever living. And you start in a racket about it up there and the Lord Jesus come along get you. That's my business right now. He ever liveth to intercede for us. Let me tell you, I'm sure that I'm not getting what I deserve. I preached on the last judgment. Had a town down a little north, I have to think of the name. Mr. Rice, what's that town down there? Little Danville. Had their revival meeting joy down there, see, and we got in the car and driving home. She was just a little bit of a thing. We're driving home and Joy stood in the car beside me and um, I put her hand around my neck and played in the ear and, and then she'd pat me and she'd say, My sweet daddy, my sweet daddy. I didn't mind that, I take that pretty good. And um, and uh, so we drove along, mile after mile. I'll tell you the truth some night in a lonely hotel. I do not sleep so good after I preach on the judgment or preach on hell. And I drove mile after mile and didn't say a thing. Nobody talked. It was serious and awful time. We had a good many saved that night, but some weren't saved. And my heart was burdened about the torment, cast into hell, a lake of fire. Drove along mile after mile. And after all, Joy said, Daddy? I said, Yes, dear. She said, I'm sure that I'm not, I'm said, I'm saved, aren't you? I said, I sure am that I'm saved. Yes, sir. Let me tell you, you don't have to come for that judgment. No. What's going to happen there? Well, now I'm going to lie. What's that for? That's God's going to prove you could have been saved. God's not to blame. God's going to prove it's offered to you. You wouldn't take it. The book of life, I can see with people say, some man says, let me see it, let me see it. You're not a, they want to see it. And he looks and says, oh. Not there, my name's not there. 
and that everyone whose name's not in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. Lake of fire. That's bad. But now this is good news. Thank God nobody has to come to that judgment. I'm not going. I'm already judged. God is dead, and the death I'm not coming to judgment. You don't have to come to that judgment. You can come to Jesus now and say, Jesus, if you'll take care of that for me. You see, you died for me, and it's paid if I'll take it. So I'll take it. You can have it, Lord Jesus. Turn your case over to Jesus, and you won't come to that judgment. All right. Do you want to be saved? How many say, Brother Ice, I want to say, thank God I'm already saved. I'm glad to say it. I'm already saved. Let's see your hands. You know you're saved. Hold your hand high. That's wonderful. Now, just a minute. How many of you say, I earned it? I deserved it. Did you deserve it? No. No. You got what you deserved. You'd go to hell. You got it by the grace of God who loves sinners. We ordained a young preacher, Joe Wilson. He came out of modernistic denomination, came to Calvary Baptist Church in Wheaton, and we ordained him. And so a, a, somebody, an old preacher on the council, they're making it pretty tough, this young preacher, they thought. They tried to. And so somebody said, now tell us how I'm in saved. And Joe Miller said, saved by grace through faith. And the man, old preacher, said, what do you mean saved by grace? And Joe Miller said, that means God loves the unlovable. And God takes people to heaven who ought to be in hell. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's your right. And, and now you can be saved that way tonight. Tonight. How do you do it? You turn to Jesus and trust him. Listen to it now. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. He said, Lord, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. Behold him at the door. I'm knocking, Jesus said. Open the door and let him in. Will you do that? Will you do that? Let us pray. Heads bowed for a moment. I wonder, with a head bowed, how many say, Brother Lance, I have loved enough friend who's here tonight. I'm afraid, unsaved, but in this building tonight. Would you lift your hand? Hold your hand just a moment. Some loved one. Yes, I see. And somebody else who said, I've loved enough friend in this building. I think they're not saved. Lift your hand for your friend just a moment. Yes, I see there and there. All right. Who else? Who else? A friend who loved one here, unsaved. Yes, I see. Thank you. All right. Now listen. We'll ask God to save them. Dear Lord, give us Christians courage to do right and save some soul tonight. Lord, save some soul tonight. Wait, with the heads bowed, I'm going to say, Brother Rice, I'm not saved. I'm a lost sinner. We you say, pray for me? Are you concerned enough about your soul to say, I want Jesus to forgive me? Brother Rice, ask Jesus to save me. I will. And he'll do it if you want it. Would you lift your hand if you say, I'm not saved, but I want to be. Lift your hand. Lift your hand. You want to save? But help me. You want to be saved? Do you want to be saved, son, tonight? That boy? Do you? Do you? Don't hold your hand unless you want to be saved. One here. God bless you. Thank you. There's another who wants to be saved. Lift your hand. You want to be saved? I wait a moment. You say, I want to be a Christian. Ask God to forgive me. Ask the Lord to help me trust Him tonight. Anybody else? Lift your hand. Do you want that? You want that? Now, wait a minute. Uh, Christians, tonight I've been preaching to lost people. I've been saying they'll come to that judgment. I'm saying no Christians will come to that judgment, but we will. But we'll come to a judgment. We're coming to a judgment, all right. It'll be up in heaven. It won't be about the doom of our souls and going to hell. That's already settled for a Christian, but we're still coming to judgment to receive the things done in the body, whether it be good or evil. All right. How many Christians say, I'm saved, but I've been living a shabby life, a kind of worldly life, not powerful, not clean. A young woman came today and said, me and my girlfriend have been 
had grudges, and every way we could to say something mean about the other, hurt the other one. And we came forward last night, and she did too. And they were there loving each other today in sweet and fellowship. Oh, tonight, get the thing out of the way and turn your back on sin and come and get cleaned up. Anybody? How many Christians say, Brother Ice, I'm saved, but I haven't been a very good Christian. There's one. Who else? Lift your hand. God bless the girl. There's another one. There's a man. God bless you. Who else say, I'm saved, but not a very good Christian. I want God to clean me up and give me back the joy. God bless you. Amen. There's one. I see, lady. There's another. Lift your hand and say, pray for me. A backslidden Christian, a cold-hearted, rather worldly, fell in sin, forgot to pray. Want to lift your hand? Anybody else? Say, I wish God... Yes, I see, dear girl. One younger. Yes, God bless you. There's another. Want God to clean you up? All right. Now, dear Jesus, oh, help us tonight. Lord, we are helpless. And you're saved by grace, and Lord, we preach by grace, too. And you have to do the work and get the credit. Come in power and save. Bless Christians. Lord, start to carry on this moral revolution and clean up the churches and Christians and make it so Christians can pray and can bring lost people out and give us a great breaking out revival. Lord, get these Christians out of the way of the revival. Help us to clean up and do right for Jesus' sake. Amen. In a moment we're going to sing. When it's time to sing, I want again, let's have these pastors down here at the end of the aisle. And uh, I want them, some of you workers, be ready down. I want to who say, I'm coming to confess my backsliding. I want to go and have a prayer and confess to Jesus. I've been cold and worldly. Ask him to clean me up, fill me with the Spirit, help me to be a soul winner, live right. And he will. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And while they come, anybody say, I want to be saved. Jesus is ready. He loves you. Will you come to trust him? Will you ask him to be your Savior and come on to sing back? Everybody stand just as I am. Will you come then? Will you come? Just Will you come then now? Preachers, see about that. Here comes the boy. Who else has come tonight? Come on to Christ. That's right, God bless you. Here's another. Come on, friends. Here's another. Come on, friends. God bless you. Here's another. room here where they can sit with you and show you scriptures, have a little prayer with you, answer any questions. You can have this settled tonight. Will you come? Backsider in heart. Oh, God, clean up the Christians. I'm so sick of worldly Christians. I'm so sick of churches with no power and churches that are disgraced in the community. I want somebody to have the power of God to win souls. I'm sick of preaching to an audience. I made up a lot of you cold-hearted Christians. If you had the right kind of power, you'd bring a lot of lost people in here. You know that? All right. Let's get right then.
Let's get right tonight. Anybody here say, I'm sick and tired, bent world, and half-hearted, and want God to forgive me and clean me up. I'm going to have a good prayer confession. Ask God to clean me up and fill me with the Spirit and help me to be a good soul winner. Come on. Anybody want to come be saved? You come. Tell us when you come. Come on, quickly. Come tell the preacher. If I can write in here to that inquiry room. I will sing again. Will you come to Will you come now, God's calling? Yes, come on, ladies, and help. Right in here to the inquiry room this way. Is another will come? Aren't you tired of seeing? You want to get cleaned up? You want to go, go home happy? You want to go home and say, Thank God, there's nothing between me and Jesus all fixed up. You want that? That, that the young man in the armed services last night after he said, came back to thank me and said, Oh, thank you, thank you. Things are all right. I'm happy, he said. Oh, you ought to have this settled. Will you do it? Backslider, let's come make a new start. Lost sinner, will you come trust Christ? Come on, while we sing. Come on, friends, we're waiting on you. Is there another? Will you come? Will you come, friend? God bless you. Will you come? God's calling, will you come? Will you come, friend? God's calling. Amen. Amen. Another, come on. 